Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. Today's guest is amazing. Ashley Borden is a fitness and lifestyle superstar who's worked with some of Hollywood's most recognizable faces and world-class athletes, including Christina Aguilera and Ryan Gosling to World Series champions Nick Swisher and Brian Wilson. Her unique approach to fitness is attributed to having transformed her own personal struggles, which you'll hear a little bit about today, into a positive philosophy and dynamic training program. The Huffington Post declared her one of the top 20 fitness experts worth following on Twitter. Women's Health named Ashley a top body transformer, and Women's Health UK selected Ashley as one of the world's top trainers in their A-list issue. She's been featured on everything from E's Revenge Body with Khloe Kardashian and the Today Show to the pages of InStyle, Vogue, Women's Health, and Self, among many others. Ashley's also produced and released two comprehensive DVD streaming programs, Six Weeks to Sculpted, which was voted number one by Fitness Magazine, and The Body Foundation. She's also the co-host of this really wonderful new podcast called, wait for it, greatest name, Kimchi and Hala. She is a force in fitness. Listen as she explains how she chooses herself while helping so many others. Ashley Borden, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This is our very first time talking, but I am I can't wait to talk to you because what's so interesting, well, first of all, you're a dynamo. You are so inspiring. But what's Aww. really fun is that we have a lot in common. So most notably, like kind of our paths in our careers. Like we both grew up as dancers and mm-hmm. we moved into weightlifting. And then we both became personal trainers and actors. Like I was doing that too, it overlapped. And then kind of one thing led me to another. And then we both have this passion for empowering people to find a healthy balance with food and exercise. Exactly. So tell me a little bit, just can you share with um, our audience just a little bit about your journey? Yeah. I mean, I just want you to know I have your Instagram page open so I can look at your face while we're talking because I am so visual. I'm like, I need to see a human. (laughs) So I'm looking at your Instagram little cute face as we're talking here. So I just want you to, so we feel more personal with each other. (laughs) I'm looking at yours too then. There you go. (laughs) Although I feel like I already got to know you. So I'm excited to talk though. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I I, uh, I appreciate you inviting me. And it's so, you know, I think with a lot of personal trainers and people who are in, um, you know, consulting and health that there is a big overlap of, of lives that are very similar because, you know, I think people who want to be of service and help other people uh, generally have a story, you know, behind that. And you're, you know, a giver and an empath and people who want to help other people. Um, I started... Uh, so I've been training as a personal trainer now for 40,000 hours of training, of actual hands-on training clients, not online training. Um, and I, from Chicago, so originally I'm from Chicago. I moved when I was 18 from Chicago to Los Angeles. Um, and I started in fitness kind of like, I always, I always was working out. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was always working out like, you know, starting as a teenager and being in health and fitness my whole life. My mother owned a health food store. My father owned sporty goods stores when I was growing up. So I was always kind of around it, but I didn't have a a good relationship with it until after I kind of went full circle. Um, Meaning like I went into treatment when I was younger because I had horrible eating disorders and effed up training 
the way I was just looking at everything was just so wrong. Went to treatment, went to 12-step treatment facility in Chicago, and then moved to LA because that's what you do after you do a 12-step treatment center is you move directly to Los Angeles. <laughs> right? Wait, I mean, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. No, I, I can't even imagine. But wait, but back up. So you, yeah. I've heard you say that at 18 years old, you quote unquote, like hit bottom. Yeah. So can you tell me like, what, what was that like? And what, insp- how did you go in this direction? How did you find OA and- <laughs> How did, How did I go in the direction of going down this, going down the drain? No, going, um, going back up. Oh, going up the drain, <laughs> going back, climbing out of the drain. Um, well, meaning hitting bottom for me, you know, everyone's bottom with addiction or eating disorders is always different, right? It can look different for everybody. Um, you know, my eating disorder started when I was around eight. So it had been about 10 years of living with that until I was 18 um, or 17 or whenever I went into treatment. It was around 18 or 17 or 18. 17 maybe. Um, but it is because I couldn't function anymore. Like I graduated high school and my eating disorder was, was manageable ish quote unquote when I was in high school, but I was just a, you know, bulimic anorexic compulsive exercise, compulsive eating. Um, and I just had like a spiritual and like moral bankruptcy. I at 18 and I was like, well, I, I can't function anymore. Like I couldn't, I could not function. And I went to a 12-step treatment center uh, because at the time when I told my mother what was going on, she found this 12-step treatment center. I don't think she really knew much about, you know, eating disorders and all that. And that started me climbing out of the drain, was just being exposed to Overeaters Anonymous, which was my initial exposure into 12-step program when I was inpatient. And then outside of that, it's what I you know, I, I wanted to live. And at that point I had done everything in my life to not work. So I was like, I will do everything in my life to climb out of this hole. Cause I want to be healthy and I don't want to live in purgatory anymore. It seems you know? so young to have discovered that and be able to have that insight at that age. It's like starting, mm. it's, it's wonderful that you were able to start so yeah. young. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I had a lot of darkness for uh, very young. So I think, I think, um, you know, it's a blessing and, uh, you know, I, to me, it was a blessing to hit bottom at so young and be exposed to program and all of that, which is why I wanted to, you know, be a trainer. Cause I, I, I wanted to give back the, um, you know, I was re- re- I worked on relieving myself of this insanity and I found a healthy balance with food and training and, but you know, that's kind of, it's gotten better over the years. When I finally found a barbell, my whole life changed. Oh, tell us about that. Well, I was training, you know, like you, you were, what kind of dance did you do? Uh, like you, I ballet, a lot of ballet, and then I did jazz and modern. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you from originally? Here, born and raised in LA, which is kind of weird. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been okay. in my whole life. So I had that whole acting thing around me. Like a lot of stuff I've heard you talk about, it's just ah, you're okay. just kind of surrounded by it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I I kind of sought it out when I was in Chicago because I lived in the suburbs. So I, um, you know, I would go downtown. I was doing commercial work and working when I was in high school already. I was like ready to, I was like, I'm ready to start this life, you know, when I was a, <laughs> when I was a sophomore in high school. I was like, the school's in the way. Um, but when I said about the barbell, what I just mentioned a moment ago was about when I turned 40, 
um, which was 10 years ago, I decided that I was going to hire my friend who is an excellent coach, Brian Redfern. And I wanted to just change the way I was training because I needed some help with my left foot specifically. It was turning out. I needed some some work with some in single leg work. And we just, he introduced me really to barbell work. And at the time it was CrossFit related because at this moment in time, there was a lot of CrossFit going on. But um, as I moved out of that and focused more like on powerlifting and different types of strength training with the barbell, I was like, what is happening to my body? Like I stopped focusing on the way I would train, like I used to say, like, you know, in the eighties and nineties where you're like, I just want like really ripped biceps and I want six pack. Like I called it like mirror body syndrome. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and when I just, I made a conscious decision of two things. I was like, I'm going to, uh, actually I think my barbell work was before I turned, uh, 40 cause I started jujitsu at 40, but I, I decided I just was going to work for performance and my strength and, that was it. I was not going to be focused on my aesthetics. And when I changed that, my everything changed. I was like, what? It's because of the hormones, you know, my hormone release of this heavier strength training and the bracing, holding the barbell work. And and then that changed everything for me. And it was just, a, you know, it's like, it's like, I'm sure with your job, it's like things evolve, right? Like you get yes. like different phases of the way you do things, you know? Oh, absolutely. And the more you learn, you just aggregate kind of data points and you put it all together and it spins and turns and it just grows and builds on itself. I love what you talk about um, jujitsu and how it gave you power back. And you talk about having these experiences mm-hmm. in your childhood or young adulthood of being assaulted and mm-hmm. and how martial arts gave you all this strength. I mean, you, I could, you could hear it when you talk about it. So can you share a little bit about that part of your journey? Sure, sure. So, you know, uh, this is why I love working with uh, women and especially teenage girls with jujitsu and self-defense. My boyfriend, Duda Gerha, is a second-degree second black belt in jujitsu, and he's an excellent teacher. He's my he's my teacher. Um and he and I started teaching actually before the world ended, we started, you know, teaching these, uh, private classes that we were teaching self-defense to these younger girls that were anywhere between like 10 and 15 years old. Um, for myself, the reason that I love it so much is, which I'm sure everybody, I mean, I've only met one person in my life that said that she did, was never, she didn't have any type of, you know, I don't, assault can be so a spectrum. Do you know what I mean? Of like course. it could be verbal. It could be somebody, you know, just invading your space. It, it, there's so many just spectrums of feeling uh, assaulted by somebody, you know, but, um, when I had multiple, like I had put in my post, I had multiple times in my life that I had been assaulted by men. And the last time I was 16, I had just come back from a photo shoot with Helmut Lipschitz, who's passed away, but he was a great photographer in Chicago. Uh, I, I can I can see it. I was in a I was in the uh, liquor store on the payphone in the back of this liquor store because this is like back when we had no cell phones, and I was wearing a blazer and I was wearing a, a tight like tank top underneath my blazer, and I, I wasn't paying attention to my surroundings. And all of a sudden, this guy just came, this man, a man in a suit, came up out of nowhere and like ripped open my kind of like my lapel of my, my blazer and try to like rip my, basically try to grab my breast and try to like rip my breast off. Basically. Oh, I mean, it was that's like horrible. It was the, it, it was just like, so, so invasive. I, yeah. I, I had never, well, 
I mean, in, in that way, I had not been assaulted yet, you know. And I just remember I ran outside, um, and and he was holding a briefcase, and he was running, kind of kind of jogging down the street, smiling and looking at me like as he was walking away. Ew. And after that happened, I suddenly I like felt like I lost all my power. And I was scared. And I was like scared to walk down the street. I was scared that men were going to assault me, you know. And at the time, uh, my boyfriend that I had was, um, he was into uh, Taekwondo. And his mom was a black belt at Maryland. And I just remember they signed me up for this self-defense class using a thing called a coupaton, which is like this metal thing you put on your uh your keychain and I just loved and I always looked at his mom because she she was like muscular and she would like lift weights in the basement this is like in the 80s you know mm, yes and she was a black belt and she had such great posture and she carried herself with such confidence and I was so attracted to that and that's what's kind of started me on that side of kind of getting my power back and uh, I've always was into, you know, boxing and MMA and, and all that. And it wasn't until I was in my forties until I was like, you know what, I, 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 that's it. I'm going to take jujitsu. I want to learn. I don't care if I'm 40 and it's too late, you know? So I, I, that's how I asked around for a great teacher who was good with new people and somebody referred me to Duda and, and that's how it started. And the rest so, is history. Mm-hmm. You know, but you implement, you have that sort of that confidence that, that, power in your voice, the way you talk, the way you teach, the way you talk up to women, to your audience. Uh, I love your podcast, by the way. And I just love the title. It's just absolutely adorable. (laughs) Kimchi and Hala. I love that. It's adorable. (laughs) And you guys are amazing. And I've just been binge listening to all of them. But Oh, thank you. Elaine Sir is my partner. We we actually just, you know, we are on our 14th episode, but we just launched too. So that's why I was like, I'm going to support a fellow woman with her podcast. That's great. Ah, well, thank you. I'm I'm so grateful. But so back to your voice, this voice Mm -hmm. that you have, and it just sounds like it's obviously it's evolved through all of these experiences and of course the trauma you know all that stuff that you go through it just empowers you and you're you're able to be more empathic and live in this world and and you exude all of this strength but like what would you say to the listeners out there about gathering that strength and you know in the business world and every avenue that you seem to touch you're just very Mm -hmm. strong and confident and powerful and it's very inspiring so what words of wisdom can you share well, let, let me tell you that this was, you know, this is also, like you're saying, this is over the course of many years of doing things wrong way, you know, you know, doing them the, the wrong way, the right way, like finding like, okay, this is, this is a better way of communicating or just no bullshit, you know, and I just don't have um, any capacity for people's bullshit. And uh, meaning like I'm super, the way I am is the way I am. And um, which is why I think like when I did Revenge Body, uh, I have great success with my people on the show because you can, I, they know I love them and I want to see anybody succeed, but I'm also not your bitch and I'm also not the person for you to lie to. Yes. So, um, and, but by the way, because I used to be that person and when I was in treatment, like I was the asshole, like I get it. I was the, you know, I, I was all that. So. The reason I think that I feel like I can speak to it is because I've been there and I've been that and I've had people call me out in a in a stronger loving way about things and people end up just 
in the long run, appreciating being upfront with, and it's coming from a, it's, it is coming from a kind, a good kind place. It isn't, it might not, it might seem like it's, um, you know, I'm very clear, but, but- yeah, you're real though. I, I just saw this meme. I don't know if it's really attributed to Carl Jung, but I just saw this meme that it was attributed to him and it says no tree. It is said can reach to heaven unless its roots reach down to hell. Oh, and I love that. Oh, that's good. Right. I mean, cause you, we, well, no matter how strong you have to go through all of that stuff to grow those. Well, yeah. I mean, but everybody, here's the thing. Everybody has gone through shit. Okay. Yes. Everybody, this is what I, you know, I coach, uh, trainers and people who are in the service industry. This is, I've been business coaching for years with them. And now, um, I'm, a, I'm almost going to launch my, uh, business courses for new trainers, which is coming oh, at the end. It's going to be so good. But the thing that I reiterate all the time and to anybody, like whatever you're in, whether it's nutrition or any type of service industry, it's like we bring what we give to other people is what we want for ourselves. Do you know what I mean? We, yes. we are we are to others the way we want people to be to us. Right. I always say you you teach what you want to learn too. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And you know, I want somebody the way that I am is the way that I like people to be with me, you know. And 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 the other thing is 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 everybody's not for everyone. This is this is I think freed me, freed me of so many things is that it is okay if I'm not right for you. By the way, because there's a billion people in or more, you know, and your your right people come to you. This is why everybody is not for everybody, and and that is okay. And I think people lose their not their edge, but who they are when they become this milk toast, watered down version to try to appease everybody. And let me tell you, you are boring. Ugh. and I am bored. I love that. It's yeah, so true, but know. it's scary when you're going through it. It's scary to think that you're not going to offend someone or you're not going to, you know, be liked by them. Are we speaking in first person here? (laughs) Is this this what's going on? Well, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. It's, you know, right? I know, I know, speaking first person. So I know when I, when I write something, right? Like when I wrote positive things that happened to me during COVID there, I got direct messages from people that were like, I find it offensive that you wrote positive things that you went through when my you know, family member was very sick from COVID. And I said to this person, I am so sorry that your family member was sick from COVID. I am so sorry, but let me give you some advice that might help you. You can't control what anybody posts or says in life. That's right. And when we have this policing thing where we're like, oh, I I gotta, I gotta make sure this person knows what I'm going to say with this person. It's so exhausting. (laughs) It is. And then you, and then it's like, how do you even say anything anymore? You know, how well, can I you don't possibly care. stand for anything? Right. You, but I don't care. Right. Like, I'm like, if you don't like, because I, I know what I'm saying isn't, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I I, I love people. I, I'm not posting stuff that's horrible. Like, if you want to post mean shit, then better get ready for the vitriol. <laughs> right. But you don't even have yeah. to post mean shit. You could just post something positive that happened to you yeah, and people will flip true. it around. Yeah. Well, you know, then, you know what I say? Then, then block them and get off my fucking page. Like, yeah. what, by the way, by the way, you're in my house. Okay. Right. You're on, you're in my house. And if you have an issue with it, like, it's okay. Then Leave. don't follow me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, this is the beautiful thing about Instagram. You have a lot of opportunity and, but it's how we deliver the information to the people that that's what it is. How do you, so if somebody's like, you know, um, Juliana, I don't, I don't, agree with this at all. I think veganism is stupid. 
right? This is stupid and we know whatever the argument is about plant-based versus whatever. Yeah. Um, you, my, my, you know, I'd be like, you're, you're absolutely entitled to your opinion about it. Yep. Like they, they, it's a, you are, and there you go. Like, I'm not going to argue with you. Go, okay. This is that you cannot agree with me. But by the way, it says right here, plant-based dietitian. You right. might <laughs> want to follow me. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's crazy. It's like so liberating to think like you just have to stand for what you stand for and you're not going to please everyone and you just have yeah. to be your own voice. It's really, really empowering. And it takes, I think it takes a lot of practice. I think that's part it, of the magic of being 40 years old as a woman, I have to say. You're, you know what? Don't you feel like you're like, okay, in your 20s, you think, okay, this was me. In my 20s, I was like, oh my God, I know everything. <laughs> when I was in my 30s, I was like, oh my God, I don't know anything. <laughs> And then when I turned my 40s, I was like, I don't give a shit. Yes. Like, I don't care. I don't actually, care. And then your 50s so is even better. You're okay. like, I don't, I don't give a shit even less. <laughs> <laughs> Something to look forward to. That is so awesome. Look at, I mean, look at JLo. Look at Tina Turner. Do you know what, you know what she inspired me so much? I watched the Tina Turner documentary. Oh, no and spoilers. I'm dying to see it. I won't. I won't. Okay. But the only thing I didn't know this is that when she hit her peak of the biggest Tina Turner Ever that she was as a solo artist, she was five zero. Yeah, that's shocking. I, that is, I remember hearing that a long time ago, and it's like mind blowing, and it's inspiring because it's like it's never too late. It doesn't matter. I mean, we it, feel it like isn't. that. We feel like that back in, in especially in LA, from this the Hollywood mentality. It's like you're, you know, the age really matters, and you, you know, you age yourself out of different things, which is so crazy, especially in our mm-hmm. industry because we're like helping people age better and and feel better and be healthy. So you would think that the more we age we have the better but it still seems to be a stigma out there so it's inspiring to think that it's never but I don't agree but I don't agree because this this is why this is why I think that that's your that's what you think you think it's a stigma this is your this is your tape that you say to yourself that you're telling me this is what you say to yourself Uh, that's what I I would say to you and what I would say is that's that's what you've decided the way it is but that's not because I I, as of somebody who is 50 years old the opportunities that you could create for yourself, especially, are endless. And I, and this is how I always think. I stopped deciding that I was going to wait for other people to give me opportunity. You will be waiting. We'll be waiting a long time. Yeah. I mean, are you, if you want to wait to be on the cover of, um, I, you know, Oxygen Magazine, and they're mostly, you know, look at younger girls or whatever, or I don't, whatever magazine I'm saying. Yeah, maybe. But like you, like have this great following of people, you have your great personality, you have your powerful voice. It's like, you be you. Who cares? Like, that. that's what I think now. I'm like, I don't care. You, you're telling me, like, people say to me, oh, well, it's just down, you're, it's downhill after you turn 50. And I'm like, that's what you think. That's I love story. you, Ashley Borden. I think you're amazing. And this is exactly what the whole essence of this podcast is about. Choose you now. You choose yeah. you now. Yeah. And you don't have to, like, this is the thing. Like, you, this, this is the beauty of Instagram. This is the beauty of podcasts, beauty of all this stuff. We have so much at our fingertips that we can create for ourselves and ask for help and create the thing that you want to do and create opportunity. You know, I think done is the day where we have to sit and wait for an agent to do something or wait for a manager to do something. I create all of my own opportunities. Let me tell you, it's very rare that I ever get a call where somebody's like, here's a great opportunity for you, for you to do this. And I just got sick of sitting around waiting because I, do, well, I don't wait, but <laughs> no, <laughs> the, the, you know, the more we do, you know what I mean? Like you start your podcast, you're a speaker, you're doing all this stuff. It's like, you're an, what, and you're an author. Like you've, 
by the way, I'm looking at your stuff. You've done all the things too. It's like, we have to create your own opportunities. Then when things come to us, we're ready too. Right. That's so true. You know, you know what I mean? And today is better than ever. I mean, now we have access to that. We can just put up a podcast. We can just, you know, write our own book if we don't even want to get it published. You know, there's exactly. so much opportunity now, but it's, it's really nice to hear you saying that you're doing this all, you're building this all yourself because you've been yeah. so incredibly successful and extraordinary. Wow. Well, thank you. I mean, I am grateful, like, you know, revenge body or things like that. Um, how, how, when people say, you know, how do you get on a show like that? I'm like, um, for me working my ass off right. for, I don't know how many years. And there is a, I mean, I'm in LA, right? So I don't live in a, you know, if you live in Delaware and you're a trainer, you're probably not going to get the same opportunities that you do when you're where there's a lot of production. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just also where, where we are, but, um, you know, I've, I've, it shuts me down to look at what other people do all the time. It, it's like a love hate. I'm I'm competitive, so I need a little bit of it. But if I do too much of it, it shuts me down. So, you know, like it, it, the people who were on Revenge Body, uh, it, it was a, a group of us that I've known for many years of people of the trainers who were doing it. But it's because when you have longevity in this business, there's a reason for it. And um, you know, I mean, it's like you. I mean, look, what you're, you are a dietitian. You could, you also can speak on a podcast. You obviously also can write and you obviously also can communicate with other people and coach them, but not everybody can do that. Who is a dietitian. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you might be a great dietitian, but you cannot speak to other people. Yeah. I mean, people have different skill stacks. I just kind of, you know, you, you put them all together and it becomes your unique self. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So oh, no, I was, yeah, go ahead. No, go on, go ahead. no, finish, finish. <laughs> oh no, I was just going to say, so that, you know, that's, it, it's like, I just have been working. I, I have been working for so long and, and especially now I just, where I live and where I work. And that's how, uh, you know, I had my blinders on of work, like a, a, with a feedback for 10 years of training people. And then I, I looked up and I was like, oh my God, I could probably take a break for a second. I mean, <laughs> you know, so when people say, what do I need to do? I'm like, you need to work. You need to train clients. You need to coach people. You need to do more of what you do. And then the opportunities will also present themselves if you continue to do your work, show up for yourself, create your own stuff. But the, the bottom line is that for us, as what we do uh, in the service industry, you should be freaking honing your craft. Yeah. That's yes. the focus. Yes. And yeah. everyone, for everyone. So I could talk to you honestly forever. I, I hope to talk to you many more times, mm-hmm. but I, we have, we keep this, we have to keep this kind of short here. Um, so oh, I know I, Stan- Stanford is strict. Yes. Yeah, Stanford is very strict. <laughs> so, <laughs> so last question for today. Yes. People are lost and you were once lost. What yes. advice do you have to help people find themselves and choose themselves? You know, I, Everyone knows what it is deep, deep down inside that they love to do. Like they might have decided that they, it's not what they should do because society told them they can't do it or your mother told you or your family told you, but like, you know, the things that you really love and those are the things that you need to lean into. And the more you do what you love, the more you have this freedom in life and Figure it out as you go. That's, you know, an entrepreneurial spirit is also you figure it out as you go. But Mm. I would say lean into the things that you love, lean into the people that support you and your dreams and your visions and know that, um, you know, you just take it one day at a time and ask for help. 
Oh, so much wisdom. Yes. So much sagacity. I think you're amazing. Thank you so much, oh, Ashley, for being you. here and for all of that course. you do. I'm a big fan. I'm going to be keeping listening to everything you put out there and I'm so inspired. So thank you very, very much. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm so excited for your podcast. I'll be listening to all your episodes as well. What a powerhouse. I love the whole concept of leaning into the things you love to choose yourself. If you're inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.